Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, so, this morning's theme is uh, worship. We're still continuing with our life, uh, what we're calling life coaching series, with our dear friend, life coach Larry, uh, who is going to appear on your screens. There he is, life coach Larry. Look at him living life to the full. Who wouldn't want to look like that? He has got some muscle going on there, actually. Uh, but I think it's the whistle, frankly, that does it for me. Um, so the, uh, what we have been looking at is, uh, is this. These are the ones, all the ones in grey now are covered. We are, we are fast running towards the end of our series, coming into our final glide path. So today we are looking at the subject of worship. So we are effectively saying with all those subjects, if you are going to live life to the full, then all of those subjects have something to speak into what is going on in our lives. There are others, but we would say that the ones we've done are the key ones. So the theme today, number 12, having done all these so far, this is about worship. So there's lots of definitions that we could like debate for hours, but how boring would that be? So let's go with mine. Uh, so, which is, it's not actually mine. I mean, I basically got it from the uh, dictionary and whatever. But here you go. A worshipper is someone who shows affection towards another person or thing. They will typically show adoration and admiration. Let's look at that again. A worshipper is someone who shows affection towards another person or thing. They will typically show adoration and admiration. So I am going to go, because I'm speaking literally for about six minutes and then Kat is coming up. I'm going to go with the premise that we were created, designed to be worshippers. So we were created, designed to show affection and to show adoration and admiration. I'm going with that premise because we haven't got time to unpick that for me to explain why. We are created to be devoted to God and to each other. So if you are a writer downer, then write this down. We are created to be devoted to God and to each other. That is something in the way we are wired internally. We are made for devotion. Now, some people say that worship is an unnatural thing. It's particularly when someone comes into a church context and they just stand there feeling a bit awkward. We've all been there. We know that feeling. And you just, it's like a bit uncomfortable. And, oh, this is just not a natural thing, particularly men. I hear this from men a lot. I get it. I understand. There's this sort of self-consciousness, if you like. So maybe, maybe there is something in that. I want to disprove that in about this next minute and 10 seconds of video. Now, it is close to my heart, I have to say, and you will see why. But if you can push past that in case you object, um, then you will see what worship can look like. Thank you, gentlemen.
adoration, admiration, men worshipping. I don't like putting my hands in the air. Well, put a scarf in between the two hands then. I hear that from men so many times in church when they come in and do that. And it doesn't matter. I don't care whether it's in church or not. That's, that's really not the point, is it? The point is, we were made to worship. Now, that worship, as much as Stevie G is my favourite ever footballer, that worship is misplaced. And as much as I do support Liverpool as best I can, that worship is definitely misplaced. It is 22 immorally overpaid people kicking a spherical bit of leather round some grass. Bottom line, do I care whether they win or lose? Too flipping right, I do. But that's not the point for a minute, okay? But what you see there is predominantly men. That is worship. If you've ever seen a man out polishing his car thoroughly. I used to see a guy when I was growing up, and he had a, he had a really nice car. And I'm, I'm going back years and years. He got a toothbrush out on his alloys every single week. They look good. I grant you. So we have this. Out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks, it says in Matthew. So the things that are in here are the things that will come out of here. So when we're talking about worship, we're talking about the things that are in here will come out of here. This is the way the Passion Translation renders exactly the same verse. Look at this. For what has been stored up in your heart will be heard in the overflow of your words. What's been stored in here will come out of here. So the things that you are treasuring right now in your heart will come out in the things that you say, good or bad. So if we've let bitterness settle in our heart, it will be heard in our words. If you worship your kids it will be heard in your words. If we worship our jobs, our holidays, our looks, our health, our cars, it will be heard in your words. Our hearts, without a doubt, were designed to know wonder, affection, and to be effusive. Look it up. It's a great word. To live from our hearts and not just our thinking. We've been created to live both thinking and feeling. Expressing what's stored in our hearts. We are meant to. Kindness, generosity, warmth, affection are more than thought processes. Now some people say that they are shy. And that is a very felt reality. For sure. But there's... There is no shyness in heaven. I don't want to use my life experiences that have knocked my confidence to freely express to then limit the way God is inviting me to live. Let me say that again. I don't want to use my life experiences that have knocked my confidence to freely express myself. I don't want to use that as an excuse to limit the way God has invited me to live. That is to say, my life story doesn't change my design or his invitation. I want me, I want to lose my what will people think of me-ness when I worship. 
that can be really hard. It can be really hard. Now, some people say they don't have faith. That's a stupid thing to say. Everyone has faith. Even if you believe in there is no God, then that is your faith. Everybody has a faith. And some people say, and you may say, I don't really worship. Well, I'm here to tell you, you definitely do. It just may not always be quite the right things or the right person. So can we live our life to the full without worshipping Jesus? Without expressing that overflow of the heart? When we're normal, we talk. When we're dying, we whisper. And when we have more than our hearts can contain, we sing. Can we do that and live our life to the full with that absent? I don't think so. I don't think so. Over to Cat. Right-click when you're ready. Oh, hiya. You all right? Oh. Um, man, six minutes is not a long time to talk about just such a massive, massive topic, like way of life. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just bringing to you and, and for, foremost to God, like what really I've got in my heart. And the first thing that I want to talk about, following on from what Chris has just said, is about loving God. Because that's in essence what worship is, right? It's loving God. So I'm just going to bring up this. Oh, there we go. 1 John 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Um, if you, uh, I, I would highly recommend uh, the, these letters from John in the Bible, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Um, he's, um, he's often known as the disciple who Jesus loved. That's often how the Gospels refer to him. And he had such a deep encounter with God's love, that it completely changed who he was. It completely changed his identity. He was known as um, Son of Thunder, very, very angry man. And encountering Jesus and spending time with Jesus just completely transformed him. It was his love. We're not coming to a God who is demanding of us that we worship him to satisfy his ego or his thirst for power. We're coming to a God who loves us. He loves us extravagantly, unconditionally, relentlessly, regardless of how messy and broken or neat and together our lives are. This is a central theme that is running through the whole of the Bible, and it's what led God to the extremity of his plan in sending his son to earth as a sacrifice for us. Now, if you've been in church for a little while, I think this is something that we can get quite complacent about. You know, if someone asks you, like, what, you know, what is this good news of Jesus? You're like, oh, it's Jesus died and he rose again for our sins. Huh? What God would go to the extremes of sending his only son to die and rise again? What God would do that? 
The God who would do that is a God who is desperate for his kids to come home. It's a God whose heart aches to hang out with his kids, to be in a relationship with us where we can walk together just like he did back in the beginning, in the beginning with Adam and Eve. Our worship of God is wonder. It's surrender. It's adoration. It's giving to him what he deserves for how good he is. But at the root of all of those things is love. So you might then be asking the question, well, how do I love God? I'd then ask a question back to you. How do you love someone, anyone? How do you fall in love with someone? You spend time with them. You hang out with them. You get to see and experience their character, their personality, find out what makes them tick. And now in the throes of young love, this feels very natural. It feels very easy. You're just caught up with all the hormones and just, ah, and it's just wonderful. But to maintain it and to nurture that love so that it grows deeper and so that it matures requires effort. Anyone here has been in a long-term relationship or has been married for a, for a while, you will, like, you'll know this, it requires effort. And it's often when you're most tired and you don't feel like it. It's sacrifice. It's intentional vulnerability. I'm going to come back to that word in a minute. There's, um, there's a story of a woman in the Gospels who... Um, who came into a house where Jesus and his disciples were hanging out. And um, she came and she had in her hands a a jar. It was an alabaster jar, incredibly expensive, like really, really just priceless. And it was filled with perfume. And she knelt down at his feet and she broke it over him, poured it all out on him. She didn't save any of it for her. And then she just knelt down in front of him and just sobbed and dried his feet with her hair. She loved much. Big love will always produce big worship. If we're talking like really simply, little love will always produce little worship. There's a... um, there's a worship leader and worship pastor called Jeremy Riddle. He's worship pastor at um, Vineyard Anaheim over in the States. And he says this, Pure worship is solely driven by the, I have to let you know. I have to communicate to you somehow, some way, how much you mean to me and how much you've touched my life. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Jesus names this as the greatest commandments. It's loving God with the whole everything of who we are. Not leaving out anything. It's, it's including our emotions. Chris touched on this. Our emotions, our intellect, our physical bodies, the, the whole essence of who we are. It all needs to be brought into a fuller expression of how we love God. And of course, this isn't just in worship, but yes, in worship and in sung worship. If we're going to bring the fuller expression of how we love God, it requires vulnerability. 
I'm just going to move to the next slide. I hope I haven't missed one. Getting a bit caught up. Here we go. Brené Brown. Staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. Why do I need to be vulnerable when I worship God? We were created for the purpose of connection to God as well as to others, and that requires vulnerability. God's presence is attracted to our vulnerability. Now, when you hear the word vulnerability, it might evoke some feelings like this. Maybe vulnerability makes you feel awkward. Maybe it leaves you feeling really uncomfortable. Maybe it feels unnatural, like Chris said. Maybe it feels weak. And I'd just like to flip that now to see what those feelings show about what engaging in vulnerability can actually look like. So engaging in vulnerability can look like this. Courage, strength, truthfulness, and hopeful anticipation. Another word for that is expectancy. So let me ask you guys a question, and I, and I ask this of myself as well. What is the risk involved in being vulnerable with God? If he already knows you, inside out, back to front, even, the, even like the deepest places that you're not even fully aware of yet, if he knows you so deeply and loves you so extravagantly, what is the risk involved for you in being vulnerable with him? I could name a few. Maybe the risk is that some fear is going to be brought to the surface and then it's going to be banished as you experienced his overwhelming love. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's having no reference point for what a father's love actually feels like or looks like and it's just so unknown. Maybe that's a risk for you. And from, from personal experience, the risks of being vulnerable with God are always far outweighed by encountering his love and the beauty of his presence. Honestly, there is, just, there is nothing like it. And that leads me on to my last point, which is all about encounter. If worship looks like loving God and lowering our God to be vulnerable with him, how do we grow into that? And I firmly believe that it starts with encountering God's love. When was the last time you encountered God's love? When was the last time you, actually, you, you felt it, like it, it came with a physical feeling? When you encounter God in the simplest of terms, you meet with him. But it's, just, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? It's, it's that two-way connection where you've made yourself available and God just shows up to be with you and you catch a glimpse of how beautiful he is, how captivating he is, how tender he is and just how kind he is. You can connect with the truth 
about like of reading what about what he's like in the Bible. Absolutely, but I think if we leave it there, we end up connecting with the idea of God rather than connecting with what God's actually like, who he is, together with our own response to him. I've got this, um, this was written by John Piper. Truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy. So orthodoxy um, is your set of beliefs. Truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of artificial admirers. On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people. True worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. The way that we can connect with God, what God's actually like, who he actually is, is through connecting the truth of who he is as described in the Bible and also experiencing in him and encountering him. I don't know about you, um, I don't want to be an artificial admirer in my worship, nor do I want to be shallow, and I definitely... I can't live a life to the full if I don't enter into the process of real, vulnerable, heart-to-heart worship and communion, like that, to the togetherness with Jesus. And there is an invitation for us all here in the room, online, to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. So that's connecting our emotions and the passions to the truth of who God is in the Bible, made real through encountering him. I think one of the things that's been hardest in this pandemic um, has been where we have been so scattered. And, uh, and I think probably for a lot of us, it's um, going to use quite a strong word, I think it's exposed some of the ways in which we had relied on our gathered times of worship here as like the feeding trough to keep us going through the rest of the week. Do you know what? We can have the best musicians, the best worship leaders who are like so in tune with the Holy Spirit and yet... The worship that they lead us into can never replace our own times of connection with God. Um, earlier in 1 John 4, man, I just encourage you, just read 1 John. Um, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. <laughs> um, he writes, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God is in them. It's really hard to live in love if your loving happens once a week. It's just it's true, right? <laughs> um, and, and then if your loving that happens once a week is facilitated by other people. We need our own times of connection with God. Now, I appreciate coming from me that I'm musical, I play an instrument, and you might be sat there at home or in the room thinking, well, it's easy for you to say that because you can just sit down at piano, sing, play. 
you're good to go. What about me? I don't play, I don't play an instrument. I'm not really that musical. I'm not really even sure I can sing in tune. How can I lead myself in worship at home? And maybe God is totally new to you, and the thought of singing to a God who you barely know is just plain weird. So a starting point that I'd encourage you with is to just is actually to start off with prayer. Something like this. God, what I'm hearing about you seems amazing. Will you come and spend some time with me now so that I know your love, so that I know what you're like, and so that I know what your presence feels like? That kind of prayer is just absolutely irresistible to God. He can't, like, he can't help himself in showing up. For those of you who you would say, um, you're not that musical, um, the online hosts are going to pop these links up uh, on the screen for you for watching at home. Um, there are, we have, at the beginning of lockdown, I put, we put together... Uh, worship playlists. We've got them on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music. Extensive worship playlists. Most of the songs we're singing here. And that was really to facilitate you guys in in helping you connect with, with God at home in worship if you didn't know where to start. One of the other things I've actually just added um, is um, I've added some instrumental worship. Um, Because actually something we're going to do in just a moment, Chris is going to come up in a moment, is is sometimes when you've got music playing and then there are just no words, then you can just start to... You've got that... The instrument is there helping you out. And you can just start to sing. You can open your Bible. You can find a psalm, which we're going to do in a minute as well. Um, you can start singing out that song. Um, so those, those worship playlists, they'll be coming up in the comments online. Um, for those of you who are in the room, they are on our, they're, they're on our social media, and um, uh, so you can find those um, AV worship playlist if you prefer to search. So we are, we're going to spend a little bit of time now doing something practical. Uh, so cue Chris. Um, he's going to come up and take us through that. And I'm going to swap mics as well. Okay, let's stand, shall we? Now, purely practically... How do, you, how do you begin to worship? Um, first of all, please don't ever think that it's easy because sometimes it just isn't. It's just hard uh, and you're not in the mood. And that is all pretty normal. But it's really up to you and up to me as to what we do about it when we don't feel in the mood. Because the point is, he is worthy of our praise and he is worthy of a sacrifice of praise so it's costing me something he's worthy of that all the time every day every second of every day and we're going to be singing and worshipping and pouring our affection on him forever so it's really just to encourage you if you don't feel like it that's absolutely normal and it's really one's choice now your choice now 
You always have that choice. Do I now push through because he is worth my affection? Or do I just think, nah, I can't really be bothered sort of thing? Um, Do I always think the first one? No, I sometimes think the second one. Thankfully, he kind of knew I was going to do that since the beginning of time, and he's already announced his forgiveness. Um, But he's a dad. So what I will often do, and yes, I do have an advantage. If you can play an instrument, of course it helps. I get it. Um, One thing you can do is sing a psalm. So um, you could just put on some background music. You can just sing a psalm. You don't even need music in the background. You literally could just pick a psalm and then just start to sing it. There's, um, find one of the less depressing ones um, and just begin to sing it out. You are worthy of my praise. You can even stay on the same note. It's okay. You are worthy of my praise. Anything like that. It doesn't matter. You can sing out. God, you're going to have to help me because I'm struggling and thinking about my to-do list. And did I leave the oven on when I finished? I may have done. I think I did. Oh gosh, now my phone's ringing. I'm going to have to put it on silent. Hang on, God. Hold that thought. Now my phone's on silent. Now I'm going to worship you, God, although I feel a bit dry. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to go and get a drink. I'll be back. Here I am, God. I've now had a drink. Longing to pour my affection upon you. I'm determined to push through. Even though I don't feel like it. What I'll often do is just close my eyes. It's just a way of being less distracted. You might pick a particular nature of God like his faithfulness. Just think about that. I thank you, God, you never give up. I thank you, God, you delight every morning in the moment I awake. That, God, you say, yes. God, I go to tell you about all the things where I've screwed up. And even before I've said the words, you're saying what things?
I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of. Let's sing that.
can almost fall a bit back out of worship. We just start thinking about other things. That's okay. We just turn our affection back towards him. Let's sing, I will bow down. And I will bow down. And hail you as King. I'll hail you as King. I will serve you. we thank you that you love it when we worship 
you're not bothered about whether we sing in tune or how musical we are, but you just love it when we show up to connect with you and to pour our affection on you. Thank you, God. Lord, we ask that you would give us moments of encounter with you this week, this afternoon, this evening, this night, that you would keep meeting with us and that we would be changed as a result to become more like you, but first to know just how loved we are. Thanks, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.